This is Brian Mayer, host of Hot Sauce Weekly, and you are listening to BCRN, all barbecue and grilling all the time. We'll do it live. Okay. Well, do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. hey It's the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We originate from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here. If you want to jump in, if you've always thought that, hey, this could be the week that I throw caution to the wind and actually jump in, I'm more than happy to have a phone call at 216-220-0966. I'm also more than happy to take an email. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com. Or on the Twitter and Instagrams at BBQ Central Show. Everything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, he is a semi-recurring guest here on this show. He is a multiple-time Emmy award-winning food TV host. He has authored a number of books of uh, varying fares and cooking styles. And tonight we're going to be talking about his latest venture. You know, when we talk about barbecue and grilling, especially for those of us that have rocked it out in the backyard, eventually, if you're really good at it in the backyard, you generate a fan base, whether that be neighbors and friends and family or all of the above. And Some of them even encourage you to start a restaurant. And some of you actually have the cojones to do that in the capital, or you scrounge it up somewhere, or you get angel investors, and away you go. And some of you really make it, and some of you fall flat on your face. And that's the risk that you take when you have that entrepreneurial spirit, which my guest does. And so we're going to be talking about his upcoming soon-to-be upcoming restaurant out there in the Southern California area. I am, of course, talking about Sam Zion, a.k.a. Sam the Cooking Guy, former host of the Sam Livecast, which we a show we all loved when it was on. Uh, now it is through thecookingguy.com, uh, all pre-produced at this point, but still very fun to watch Sam uh, cook in that 15- to 20-minute, 30-minute time frame. Really great recipes, really simple recipes, full of flavor, kind of his signatures and hallmarks from a cooking style standpoint. So we'll catch up with Sam in about 11 minutes from now. 35 past the hour. If you would recall last week, we were talking to one Fred Robles who was joining or who was on his way or about to be on his way down to the World Food Championships in Bentonville, Arkansas. 
to take part as one of the final 10 at the final table to finally crown a 2017 overall World Food Championship grand champion or winner or whatever you want to call it. And while he came up just a little short, we are going to get a recap from somebody who actually took the title of 2017 World Food Champ overall. And that is from the stake category, Lisa Gwatney. And she won the stake portion in November, which transferred her into the final table. So we'll talk to her about her dish, background, and food. Found out a little fun fact about Lisa and specifically her husband, who happens to be an award-winning, world champion award-winning Memphis and May cook. One whole hog back in 2005, so a year or two removed before I really got into the whole barbecue scene, covering it from a podcast standpoint. So I wasn't aware that there was that competition barbecue and grilling already indoctrinated into the blood, or she was well-versed into what's happening here in this subculture. So we'll uh, be able to get a nice recap from Lisa and the steak dish that ended up taking down. Fred in the second place and all of the rest. I mean, a huge win from a number of different vantage points. So we'll discuss with her. Then we'll move on to the second hour. And at that point, we will revive the fourth Tuesday of the month recurring segment, which, as I say, each and every month continues to gain popularity. People are now staying in or hanging in live into the second hour to see what all of us are going to be talking about, that, of course, is my embedded correspondence segment with one Doug Shiding, the longest-running, tenured Texas embedded correspondent. Probably the first official embedded correspondent title that anybody ever got. That's Doug in Texas, Doug Shiding, pitmaster of Rogue Cookers, by the way. Then, my guy in Tennessee, Steve Ray, who was also a competition barbecue cook, pitmaster of Owl's Nest Barbecue. Ottawa, Tennessee, to be exact, owner of Steve Ray's Midnight Oil. And my Oklahoma embedded correspondent, David Huff, who is uh, Huff Daddy Barbecue, who has become, as we found out last month, perhaps a, a bit disenfranchised with the whole competition barbecue arena, the cost that is involved anymore. And are, is he going to allocate funds in order to stay in the competitive barbecue market? Or if He's going to be looking to do something else or maybe getting into barbecue catering or something along these lines. So the concept or the idea of the embedded correspondence segment is it is allowed to run two segments into the second hour. And everybody has a take or a topic that they are going to talk on first, and then everybody else around the panel will be able to weigh in with their opinions, agree, disagree, or give point counterpoints, items like this. And we have quite a varied menu on the Embedded Correspondence segment topic list tonight to include tomatoes and outdoor pests and how to control them and the knives. And who knows, we might even talk a little Yeti stuff and dry aging stuff. Number of different topics that we can go depending on how we time out here. So that's what you have to look forward to here in the second hour. 216-220-0966, Greg at the bbqcentralshow.com. If you're getting the show in podcast form, let me please ask a favor of you. Head on over to the rate and review section of whatever podcast platform that you like, iOS, Google. By the way, not to diverge, 
Google has the potential of changing the podcast landscape, the likes we have never seen, especially if you are a content producer. You are going to want to make sure you are in line with Google, Google Music, Google Play, all the Google's stuff. So you can make sure that you're properly listed within their podcast landscape because the way you can search podcasts now on smart devices, the ability to play within search returns, they are talking about it potentially doubling any podcaster's audience, potentially, or there is that possibility. So if you are a content producer, you're definitely going to want to step out onto the Google platform. If you're not currently doing that, I've been doing it for years, but if you're teetering on the edge, that should help you get pushed over. But let me get back to what I was saying. Please take time out to rate and review this show, one through five stars, whatever you feel is necessary. Give me a comment. Give me a suggestion. Bash me. Love me. Do something in between. But as long as you take time to rate and review this show at some point, might I ask that you push pause if you're listening in podcast, rate, review, come back and pick up the show where you left off. That helps give visibility to the show and make it a little bit more popular in the world of however Google and iOS decide to show you who's cool and who's not. So I would consider it a personal favor. As I'd mentioned a couple minutes ago, the World Food Championship's final table took, pa- uh, took place this past weekend, culminating at some point Sunday evening, kind of mid to, to late evening. So here's some of the email that I get after the grand champion, Lisa Watney, is announced. For instance, Tim from Kansas writes, Greg, guess show karma has seen its limits. Fred only finished in second place at WFC today. What happened? Well, Tim in Kansas, it appears that Fred had a really good cook, and so did his pards, Ernest Cervantes. They turned in a hell of a dish. If you watch them get judges, the judges were plowing it down. They were very happy with it. And Lisa turned in what the judges thought was a better dish. So, oh, geez, Fred only got second place. Anything but that. You're right. The show karma does not work. I am never talking about it again. I am embarrassed for me that I even talk about show karma and guaranteeing its worth of getting people grand championships. I think if you go back and look through the annals of the show, this is probably the only time that a, sh- that a guest hasn't shown up on Tuesday and then, or has shown up on a Tuesday and then hasn't won or taken a GC that following weekend. And this might be out of the realm of the norm because it wasn't technically a barbecue contest. It was the World Food Championship's final table. So, sorry, Tim, that Fred only got RGC and that the show Karma is losing its latch. Hey, let me talk to you quickly about Southside Market and Barbecue. Attention, folks, in the business of barbecue. What do you know about Southside Market? Established in 1882, that's right, Southside Market and Barbecue, the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. And they have been owned and operated by the same family for three generations. They offer premium Central Texas barbecue products, slow-smoked over real wood, shipping, distributing, manufacturing sausages for companies across the U.S., 
from food trucks to multi-chain restaurants. Southside Sausage can be on your menu too. All meats are processed right there on the USDA inspected facility. A trusted partner with a focus on quality and most importantly, authenticity. There are wholesale options available, shipping nationwide via FedEx. Now, they also have food service distribution options via Cisco, U.S. Food, and Martin Food, some of the biggest players in food service industry. Co-packaging capable. What does that mean? Well, that means if you are a fan of Southside Market and you love their beef sausage or their kielbasa or their garlic sausage, but you want to sell it under your own name, for instance, I want to sell it under Barbecue Central Show Garlic Sausage or Beef Sausage, I contact Southside Market, that's southsidemarket.com, ask them about co-packing capabilities and say, I want to sell your beef sausage under my name. Voila, you're going to be able to make that happen. That's what co-packaging is all about. They do a lot of that. From R&D to package completion, Southside can follow your recipe or they can help you develop something completely new. Private label opportunities also available, as I just mentioned. Visit southsidemarket.com for more information. For podcast listeners only, if you want to try the products and you're going to be happy you did, 10% off code for online orders only. Use coupon code BBQ Central. That's BBQ Central, all one word, lowercase, for 10% off your order at southsidemarket.com. Very happy to have Southside Market here along with the show. And we will be back with Sam the Cooking Guy to talk not, not taco. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, this portion of the show is brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauce, grilling oils. Uh-huh. All of Butcher Barbecue products have been tested on the competition circuit as well as backyards worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood or the king of your cul-de-sac by visiting butcherbbq.com to stock up now. Always, always trust your butcher. All right, my first guest tonight is a multiple-time author, multiple-time Emmy Award-winning TV host. You will see him leading cooking classes at various times and various locations during the year. You know, literally the list goes on. Tonight, we're talking about a new venture. He's getting involved in one of the most volatile sectors that you can possibly get into, that being restaurants, as I had mentioned, the show open. So let's head to the Traeger Grills hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Sam the Cooking Guy. Sam, how are you, buddy? I barely made I, Look, I'm trying to figure out. The, I don't know what happened. I always call you on Skype, and it's always there. 
And I went to open it today, and it doesn't recognize me. It doesn't know who I am. Nothing's working. Sam, let's blame it on I'm, Facebook. I'm <laughs> Facebook it's overshared your information, and somehow that's gotten into the Skype network. And Zuck- Zuckerman has screwed me up. <laughs> Zuckerman has? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mike Zuckerman, he's the worst. We hate him. <laughs> Uh, What's Sam, up, man? How are you, Greg? I'm doing very well. Uh, I guess first and foremost, before we get into the, the business talk here, I don't want to take too long on it, but you had uh, yep. quite the substantial injury of a torn Achilles or a blown-out Achilles. So uh, what happened and how is the recovery, which can be, of course, extensive? Recovery is going fine. Uh, look, here's the deal. Um, it, uh, I was chasing one of my kids on the beach, and not like a little kid. He's 24. Yeah, a man. I took two. I took two steps in a quick run. Felt like somebody stabbed me in my calf. Uh, ridiculous amount of pain. I sort of limped off the beach with the help of my kids. And the next few days, it wasn't so bad. I but it was really swollen. I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, "Oh, it's just a, um, it's a sprained calf." <laughs> and really, the best thing to do is actually walk on it, but be careful and go slow. So I did that and then it wasn't getting any better. And I called back and, and, and she said, all right, well, let's, let's maybe it's time for an MRI and an ultrasound just to make sure there's not a blood clot because there's always the fear <laughs> of a blood clot in a leg that yeah. travels and then can kill you. Yeah. Well, turned out not to be a sprained calf, turned out to be a fully ruptured Achilles. <laughs> I had surgery a week and a half ago. I now have a, a cast on and uh, I'll have this for another three weeks and then and then a, a walking boot that I can slowly start walking in and, ah, whatever. It is what it is. Like you were walking it's on it complete, as it was ruptured. I was walking on it as it was ruptured. Oh. And, and so when he explained, when the orthopedic uh, doctor finally explained to me, you know, how these things work, imagine a big elastic band yeah. that you cut and then it separates. Well, the more you walk on it, the more it separates <laughs> which can make for a much more difficult surgery. <laughs> yeah, right. And he, he goes, look, I, I mean, I don't know until I open up your foot or your leg, but it might be a simple fix like normal, or uh, we might now have to, because it's, it's separated too much, I might have to go into your toe and bring some tendon out yeah, of there yeah. and then something up from your calf and bring it down. Oof. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. You know what I, I said to him? I go, you know what's amazing to me is that I teach people how to make Captain Crunch tuna yeah. in a pan, and you're fixing shit like this? <laughs> I mean, suddenly I felt really insignificant for what I do in my life. Yeah, well, let's not talk about that too much, and we wish you a speedy and uh, well-earned recovery. Thank you, uh, thank you, know, that, you. That's, that's not all fun. I've got. That's all I've got. So let's discuss yeah, the yeah. new business venture, and no one knows more than you, Sam, how potentially volatile or dangerous opening a restaurant of any sort is. You're around it. You're yeah. a food guy. And I imagine there's a tremendous amount of consulting and brainstorming. In other words, this wasn't done on a whim. So let's go ahead and roll back to when it was first getting tossed around. Is this your idea and it's all of you or are you approached by somebody? Where does the Genesis actually start? So I, I look, I've been, I've been, I've been cooking on TV, the internet and wherever and all the book, whatever, everything you said at the beginning of this yep. for, uh, 15 years now. And, um, 
and, and a restaurant has been in my mind, if not daily, every couple days, two, three times a week. And if I've not wondered about it, people have said, when are you going to open a restaurant? And the one thing that I have said is, look, just because I can cook on TV for myself, um, it doesn't mean I know how to cook in a restaurant. Yeah. In fact, I know I don't know how to run a restaurant. And I think that's the mistake, Greg, that many people make. I agree. People will sit and have, you know, a couple will sit and have dinner together in an Italian restaurant. And, and, and the husband will go, you know what? Uh, this lasagna is terrible. And yet this place is packed. Honey, your lasagna is amazing. Imagine how busy we would be if we had a restaurant with your lasagna. <laughs> and, and, and they'd go, let's get it. Let's find it. You know, that place beside the, uh, the gas station on Route 48 has been vacant for six months. I'm sure they'll be willing to give us a good deal. Let's open a restaurant. Right. And they do. And all they know how to do is make lasagna. They don't know how to run the front of the house, the back of the house, how to staff people, how to order enough beef so that they don't run out on the weekend, you know, how many meatballs to make. It's that kind of crazy thing. And so I said, I don't know how to run a restaurant. But if I had somebody, a chef that knew how to run a restaurant, maybe I, maybe I would figure it out. So about a year ago, I get a, I get a phone call from a, a realtor that specializes in restaurant kind of stuff. And he said, you know, there's this, this area in little Italy in San Diego. It's these new apartments, two sets of them and blah, blah, blah. And a bunch of other full restaurants, but there's a space that we, meaning him and his partners are going to open as a food hall. Mm -hmm. Would you like to be the media space of the food hall? You've got a great reputation in San Diego. People like you. Uh, it might be a fun thing to do. And I go, Oh, you know what? I I do like that. That would be a good thing to do. So, uh, I agree to that. We're talking about that. And I say, you know, what kind of restaurants are going to go in there? And they're talking about what they would like and blah, blah, blah. And I go, you know, I've always had an idea. And he goes, what? This is him one day, him and a couple of his partners. And I go, you know, look, San Diego is full of tacos. And the last thing that San Diego needs is more Mexican-inspired tacos, especially from a Jewish guy from Canada. Yeah. But what if they were tacos that weren't uh, uh, specifically Mexican? What if they were tacos that um, had things in them that normally wouldn't be in a taco? And they go, like, what? And I go, well, I don't know. Like, what if there was, you know, a meatloaf taco? with an amazing sauce or like salmon that like an Asian salmon, you know, Japanese mayo and green onion and jicama and, and stuff like that. And a, and a spicy sort of Asian sauce or, or like pastrami. And I go, what do you mean pastrami? I go like pastrami kind of like a sandwich, but, <laughs> but, but with, you know, coleslaw, maybe some dill pickles, but like a fried egg on top of it, that kind of stuff. And as I'm mentioning these things, they're like, holy smokes. Wait a minute. This might be something. Mm -hmm. And literally within a month of that first conversation, we came to an agreement that I would be one of the guys in there. But these guys are part of a, a small restaurant group that has interest in other restaurants that mean they have operations people and mm -hmm. food people and people to help me along with this. 
and look, I, there's, I, I'm uh, completely open about this. The food is mine. The inspiration is mine. The branding is mine. It's called Not Not Tacos by Sam the Cooking Guy. Um, but I don't have to worry about how to set up a POS system. I don't have to worry about uh, HR. I don't have to worry about, you know, uh, taking a recipe that feeds 10 and making it feed 300 and it doesn't run out on a Saturday night when you want to make sure you have enough pastrami for the, you know, that kind of stuff. So they're providing infrastructure, the technology, all the stuff that you're not an expert in. And you are allowed to kind of run free and and give your side of the expertise to the restaurant. It, honestly, it's like it's like the perfect the perfect marriage for me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be on the line of a restaurant. I don't want to be standing in the back making tacos, cooking pastrami, making a you know a curried egg salad taco with bacon and tomatoes in it and some green onion as good as it is and as wonderful it is as it is that's not what i do not want that to be my life because i i don't know how many of your listeners are restaurant people but it's a rough life yeah it's not easy so are you so it's work it it, go ahead i was just gonna ask are you having skin in the game like do you have an ownership interest or are they yes i do you do okay yes yes i do but yes so you know which which is which is good which is good yeah for sure you know that's all good and um and uh i really like this group uh they're doing the things you know i i said to kelly the other day my wife you know I get an email, they go, here, here's what the website can look like. Let's talk about it. What are your thoughts? What do you want? That kind of thing. You forget how many things are involved in oh. starting this kind of stuff. It's crazy. The equip sourcing the equipment, dealing with contractors, and this is a brand new space, and it's being built out for six separate food hall restaurants. Hmm. This is a huge freaking job, man. And for me to get in at the at the at the level that I have, uh, not have to you know sell my house to do it and be part of this, uh, it's it's great, it's great. But again, nothing that we haven't opened yet. That's in June, and you know, I mean, I said to somebody the other day, uh, I posted an Instagram, <laughs> I had an Instagram post the other day that listed a bunch of sh- shitty things people have said about me. <laughs> He's stupid. He can't cook, whatever, you know, all that stuff. Like, you know, the funny thing is, is people are criticizing me on YouTube. They can't even taste my food. Right. You know, they're merely criticizing my, my uh, entertainment factor, really, right? My performance <laughs> on TV or online. Now they're actually going to have something that they can criticize me over. They're going to be able to say, oh, that meatloaf taco was a piece of crap. I'd yeah. never eat that. I wouldn't give that to my dog. Uh, you know, I got a comment today on on uh, YouTube. I've got a really good following on YouTube. We got you know forty two thousand people have subscribed to the YouTube channel, and every so often I go on and I read comments. Some guy today, he's kind of like a fat Kevin Spacey. <laughs> I mean, fat. I don't know what that. What does that even mean? Yes, I'm a fat Kevin Spacey. Wow. Which I I immediately. What, what's the natural thing to do? Lash out. Go look at pictures. Of, Go look at pictures of Kevin Spacey. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think I'm fat compared to him. No. I don't even think you look like Kevin Spacey. 
I have to say, in a couple of the pictures, there was a little bit of a resemblance, hmm. but only when he was wearing glasses. But, but look, that's the internet. That's, you know, look, uh, you know I'm a Howard Stern fan. Yeah. I know you're a Howard Stern big, fan. Big, big, right? yeah, big. Right, big, big fan, right? Uh, and when the show ends, I'm going to be, I'm going to be unhappy, as mm. you, I'm guessing you will be, and many people will be. But he talks about, you know, uh, reading comments <laughs> on the internet about himself, and this, the stuff is brutal. I, I, I'm going to try and say this as politely as I can. A, a woman that I was in an infomercial with last year said, um, I posted that thing, you know people saying crappy things about me yeah and she wrote back and she goes i win that's all she said and i go what do you mean you win she goes i had a much better comment <laughs> uh and i go what she goes and she's she's really cute she's a really pretty girl and she's really good at what she does with her food is amazing and i have food porn envy because of her she takes beautiful pictures and and she goes somebody wrote this you could be bent over the counter. Uh, how can I say this? <laughs> effing, effing yourself. Ugh. And you would still be unwatchable. Really? Can you, can you believe that? Yes, of course, because there's complete anonymity behind a computer screen and a keyboard. There's absolutely no risk. Say it to somebody's face and you might get popped or at least smacked. So here's the question. Who were the who were these people, you know, uh, fifteen years ago before there was you know uh, uh, social media? What did they? Where did they put their anger? They they just did stayed they home. They yelled at the wall. And, they That's walk all. up to a clerk in Kmart and say something terrible. Yeah, no, they didn't say anything because there there was always a chance for them to get their lunch eaten right in front of them. So now they have mm. the ability to just lash out with zero repercussion it's it's probably made them a little healthier from a day-to-day standpoint except online look i don't think there's any other sector of the internet as far as people that are just rude and negative and always are pounding people than folks in the barbecue and grilling industry especially on the competition side i mean there's just a small handful of these same guys that are out there pounding and pounding no matter what and you're like nice life you seem to be leading if this is the persona that you're putting off online like i would never want to meet you in real life but i mean you know what can i tell it's you just a, it's a, it's a, it, look it's amazing to me look when i first started um and, and people would write and say you're an idiot or you're stupid or you can't cook i would take it personally yeah. and i would write back these long emails and be like you don't know <laughs> and i'm trying to do this and it was and kelly would say what are you doing and yeah. finally one day i just woke up and i and I, it, it, it all affected me. And then one day, thanks to, you know, Kelly saying I didn't need to be like this. It just stopped. It is like, and then it became like water off a duck's back. I don't care. Yeah. And they can say anything they want. Somebody could say I could be bent over the counter effing myself <laughs> and I still wouldn't be watchable and I'd be okay with that. But I'm amazed at the fact that it actually happens. If you don't like something, if I'm flipping channels and I come across a TV show that I think is stupid, the last thing I think to do is find an email address and, and send the <laughs> producers a, a note telling them how much I think they're stupid. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is when I get emails from people going, 
you were really stupid. I hated you when you did that, uh, that uh, grilled peanut butter and jelly. And then I saw you do the, the, the Asian chicken salad, and that was even dumber. And then I watched you do the whatever burger, and that was even dumber. I'm like, wait a minute. If you hated me right away, why are you still hating me yeah. three episodes late? Yeah, right. You just named four extra independent episodes. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, my thank biggest you exactly fan. Right. <laughs> thank you. Yes, exactly. Thank oh, you. Oh, my God. Right. All right, yeah. so we have a potential opening of June, correct? Or that's for sure? Uh, June uh, June 25th, right. yes. I think that's the first, that's the last Monday in June. All right, I got about two minutes left. And so let me ask you this yeah, question. Good. You do have skin in the game. Yeah. But, yeah. so you have the infrastructure, folks. Is that the Grain and Grit Collective? Or is that those people? Grain, grain and Grit, okay. yeah. yeah. And, uh, you've done your homework. Of course, of course. So... They ha- they have stake in the game. They're providing you know a lot of this backbone stuff that you yeah. don't have the expertise and you have skin in the game. You're providing the culinary, um, uh, yes. ingenuity and the creativity and yeah. getting this yeah. menu together. Yeah. Yeah. In the end, we've done. T- in the yes, end, do you still have more at risk because you are Sam, the cooking guy, thirteen time Emmy award winning, the face of Southern Los Angeles cooking by and large. Than they have yeah. to risk. Uh, yes, I suppose yeah. I do, and don't yeah. think that 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 look that that concept has not been lost on me. Yeah, Kelly and I spent a lot of time talking about that. What if it? What if it sucks? What if just because look, we've had a bunch of tastings, right? My partners and I come came here to my house, and I've made the tacos, right? There's eight nine people in the house, and I make eight nine versions of everything and yep. the problem we've had is deciding which ones because it's a small space you can't have 20 things Correct. you can have eight or nine and so it's it's a good problem how do we decide which ones to get everybody's love the food love the food but the reality is in in the real world what if if people hate it then what happens and that's a question that we've asked ourselves we've said you know what no risk no gain yep. you, you kind of Feels like an obvious thing. I had a friend, uh, uh, a guy, well, I had a guy in a supermarket say to me one day, hope you don't lose your fucking shirt, dude. <laughs> I'm like, really? That's what you say to somebody? And I had a friend of mine go, well, what happens if like you end up in airport food uh, things? Okay. And I'm like, and that's a problem? Yeah, How? right, right, right. We've, we, now we're growing, we'll right? 30 airports. <laughs> I'll be very happy with that. Yeah. Michael Simon's in airports, by the way. Yeah. And you know what? So is Wolfgang Puck. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a whole, it's a, it's look, we, we look for that. We want acceptance. We want global acceptance. We want to be everywhere. The goal is not one, not, not tacos. I mean, it could be five or 10 or 15 if it makes sense, or maybe even the next step would be a bigger restaurant. And, you know, with the partners, we have, we have conversations about what could be next. How could it be different? You know, like let's take this little uh, restaurant collective and, and make it a series of restaurants and they could be different. They could be more of the same, whatever. That's the fun part. This feels like the next chapter for me. And the exciting part, because there's only so much TV you can do and mm-hmm. internet and stuff like that. Though it's fun and I dig it and stuff, but I feel like it's it's time. It's time. So I'm jazzed and we'll see what happens. Yeah, June 18th That's is the first, her- June 18th, right? 
uh, like the tw- I think that's the twenty fifth, whatever 25th. that Monday right. is, June twenty fifth. Right now, but of course, look, it's it's brand new construction, so there are things yep. you know Could the push. city permits and inspections and stuff right. like that are right. gonna w- may stretch it. But right now, we're looking like we're targeting the that last Monday in June. All right, that's the first hurdle to clear, and we'll see how it goes. The website, by the way, if you want to keep up with progress or take a look at the menu, all that stuff, if you're going to be in the area, not not tacos. Dot com and it is Sam the Cooking Guy and my buddy Sam Thanks. Zion. Sam, always appreciate the time, my friend. Good luck, yes. and we will catch up. Thank you, brother. You got I it. Appreciate, I appreciate everything you do. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. There he is. All right, man. See you. Sam Zion talking about not not tacos. All guests appear via the Traeger Grills hotline. Not tacos. Mm-mm-mm. Right? Mm-mm. Yummy. All right, so uh, we will... Keep progress with Sam and see how Not Not Tacos transpires down in the southern Los Angeles area, southern California. Hey, let me talk to you quickly about Traeger Grills before we get to Lisa Guatney. Behind every great meal, there is a great grill. But not just any grill, a Traeger grill. And the Timberline is Traeger's most advanced grill yet. It allows you to grill smoke. Bake, roast, braise, and barbecue like a pro, no matter your barbecue level, thanks to its incredible wood fire taste. Seriously, you don't know flavor till you're cooking with it. Traeger Grills use all-natural hardwood pellets as fuel, so you're literally cooking with flavor from low and slow smoked ribs to seared steaks, even baked apple pies. Traeger can handle it all. And the Traeger Timberline makes it even easier thanks to the Wi-Fi capability You can check on your cooks, kick up temperatures, set custom cook cycles anywhere, all right through your phone on the Traeger Grill app. In fact, I need to go check out my brisket right now. Let me punch up my phone. Find one at your local Traeger dealer or check them out on TraegerGrills.com. Also, if you want to beef up the barbecue game, Traeger Shop Class is going coast to coast, bringing you barbecue knowledge and amazing wood-fired food everywhere they go. Taught by professional pitmasters like Doug Scheiding, Chad Ward, Danielle Dabowski, Matt Pittman, the list goes on. You'll take home all the skills you need to reach barbecue glory. Find a shop class and sign up today at TraegerGrills.com slash shop class. That's TraegerGrills.com slash shop class. I will have a review of the Timberline 850, which I got just this past weekend and fired up once on Sunday. Talk about assembly, show you pictures, all that good stuff. But coming up Next is Lisa Guatney, WFC 2017 Grand Champ. Stick around. Be right back. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James of Barbecue Talk, Craig Rampey. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers, Traegers, Green Mountain Grills, Grillas, Rectex, Cook Shacks, you name it, Black Olives. They will get you the pellets you need. Great products, great burns, high BTUs, high flavors. Visit Amazon.com to purchase or purchase from their website, cookinpellets.com. That's cookinpellets.com. 
All right, since last November, we have been waiting for this past weekend to transpire so we could put a cap on the 2017 WFC Championship, and so it has happened. And in the end, and for the second year in a row, State comes out above all else. Here to recap the big weekend and the road to Bentonville is the 2017 WFC overall grand champion and first-timer here to this show. Let's welcome Lisa Guatney. Lisa, how are you? Hi there. This is Lisa. How are you doing? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Lisa. Appreciate you taking time out here to recap World Food Championships and making time for the show here. So I guess before we get into not only this past weekend, but uh, we could probably scope back to November as well, uh, just uh, spend a couple minutes here, talk a little bit about your culinary background, what you might do for a living if you're a live fire barbecue person, uh, all that good stuff, and then we'll actually get into the WFC recap. Okay, that sounds great. I'm just on a, a note, Fred, when, he t- when I told him that I was going to be on your show, said to say hello to you. Oh, good. <laughs> he didn't say I let him down by any chance, did he? No, no, not at all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and for those that you know may or not may not know him, I mean, Fred Robles. I mean, he came in second in World Food Champion, but he is just absolutely world class star. So, yeah, first so- class guy. So, um, like, were you from a family growing up that was real big into to cooking, and, and what part of the country were you from? I grew up on a farm outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan, a small farm. And, you know, I guess growing up in an environment where we had access to everything fresh, I always teach people, I said, yeah, we were organic before it was popular. My dad just said, get out in the garden and weed it. <laughs> so, I mean, I just grew up around fresh food. We uh, raised our own cattle and our own pork, and I always grew up around that. And my father was Italian, my mother Irish, and so, you know, everything we did was around family, friends, fellow farmers, things like that. Are you a competitive cooker by nature? Have you been in competitive cooking at some point or, or some form or fashion over the years? No, my husband is. My husband has been a competitive cook for more than 15 years. As a matter of fact, as I, I think I mentioned to you, he won Memphis in May, the World Championship in Whole Hawk. So he's been a competitive cook. And I have never done competitive cooking. I just enjoy it and have a lot of love for it, passion for it. And I do study it a lot. And his barbecue partner, Rick's wife, got into state cooking she said, let's let the guys go do the barbecue. Let's go do steak. Let that be our thing. And so just about year and three quarters, almost two years ago, we got into the Steak Cook-Off Association. And, you know, getting into it's really easy. You just need a grill and a table, and you can set up, and you can enter one of their competitions. So I ordered the portable kitchen grill, the PK grill, and a set of grill grates, which anybody that's in the steak circuit that is the most popular service to cook off of. And I've fallen in love with it. I've got three of them now. And I won at the queue on the Yazoo, which is a joint barbecue steak cook-off in Greenwood, Mississippi, which gave me the world championship golden ticket. And at the time, I have to be honest, I didn't know what it meant. I was just told that I had access to, you know, enter that competition. And I love, you know, was falling in love with, comp- you know, competing competitively in the cooking circuit. So I went ahead and enrolled. And then when I started to get a better sense for what it was, I have to say, I almost didn't, you know, people tease me. They say, oh, my gosh, you almost didn't go. And I literally almost did. My husband had to talk me into going because I didn't feel like I had the experience or the background to compete at that level. And we went and we won in Orange Beach and then we went in Bentonville and we won there. So 
I honestly am still pretty shocked because every one of us, all 10 world champions are champions and we became great friends and everybody cooked amazing dishes. I mean, basically the judges got to eat food from 10 world champions. Yeah. I don't think you get to that point in that competition and not have the opportunity to eat 10 world-class dishes. That's to be sure. When you we're at Orange Beach in November, and you're doing the steak. What kind of a recipe did you put together? And by chance, did the recipe that won you the steak title in November carry over? And was that the recipe that you executed this past weekend? So when we went to Orange Beach, we had to cook three times. There were three rounds. The opening round consisted of two cooking, um, two recipes you had to cook, and then there was the final round. So in the opening round, you had to do a structured dish as your entry, the first round that you had, and that was a shish kebab, and they were very specific. It had to be chunks of meat, et cetera. And so what I chose to do there was I took some tenderloin and I made an Asian-inspired um, beef shish kebab where I put shishito peppers and I did yellow, or not yellow, but uh, red onions, shishito peppers, the beef, and I made a marinade with different types of Asian flavoring, garlic, soy sauce, honey, ginger, et cetera, and I marinated that, and that was our first entry. Our second one is a dish that I do cook a lot at my home. It's my signature dish, and I used a um, Wagyu ribeye filet that we grilled on our grill grates because they gave us grill grates there, and I used my steak rub that we call Lisa's Steak Rub. Our neighbor calls it LSR, and I made a brandy um, green peppercorn cream sauce, which is one I commonly make at my home. And we served it over some mushrooms, and that was the signature dish. And that got us entry into the top 10. That put us number eight in the top 10. So I knew going into the top 10, I was going to have to cook a lot harder than the others because I was number eight in the lineup. And then they gave you the ingredients for the last um, final route. Mm. And it was ironic because they gave us, um, Cisco uh, provided these wonderful uh, bone-in New York strips. They were really pretty steaks. And then they gave us coffee, which I don't drink coffee because it's not my favorite thing to drink. But they gave us a particular brand of coffee called Kenya Benya Estates, Hmm. which actually means champion. And so it was kind of ironic that we had an ingredient I wouldn't eat or drink. But I thought, well, if I was going to eat or drink coffee, this would probably be the one I would want because it was really a wonderful coffee. So I decided to make a chili-infused coffee rub with some dark brown sugar, and I wanted to serve it crab Oscar style because we were in the Gulf, and I wanted to take advantage of the wonderful seafood they have down there. So um, that's what we did. We we rubbed the uh, steak with this chili rub. They had some paprika, a couple different kinds of chili, some dark brown sugar. Wow you know, salt and pepper, et cetera. We rubbed it and then we grilled that off and it, you know, grilled up. And honestly, we didn't think we were going to be in the final round. So this was not a recipe we had prepared. We wrote it in the hotel the night before and didn't have an opportunity to test it. So we had no idea what we were going to get. But when we grilled it, it was beautiful. We were happy with it. And then we used lump crab meat and claw meat, mixed it together. We made a béarnaise sauce. And uh, we had some roasted asparagus that went with it. And so when they called us up there and I won, I mean, I honestly could not have been more shy, which is evident in the video, which is kind of embarrassing because I was jumping around. (laughs) My husband's like, she's jumping like she got a new pony. (laughs) But um, 
I, I was, you know, completely shocked. And so to answer your last part of your question, is that the recipe I took to Bentonville? And the answer is no. Mm. You know, when we had so much time, you know, I told my husband, my husband wanted to go with what got us there. He goes, I think we should cook the recipe that got us there. And I said, not with this much time to reimagine and re-envision what the recipe could be like. So we tested some different things. And what we ended up cooking um, in Bentonville was a very different dish. Uh, we did go back to the Wagyu ribeye because after testing all of the different kinds of steaks, and trust me, we tested a lot of steaks, yeah. we, we landed back there and we said, yes, that's the one we want to take. And uh, we tested everything from a rib cap, you know, the whole gamut of possibilities. And so we chose that one again, and we decided to serve it this time with a medley of wild mushrooms, some seared foie gras, and I made an Amarone uh, reduction sauce that went over that. And then we did, I did a potato galette that I did with some truffle butter and um, seared it off. They were Yukon gold potatoes. I put them on a mandolin until they were a sixteenth of an inch thin. Hmm. And I put them initially in a cupcake pan because I wanted them to set up in these stacks for visual purposes. Mm-hmm. Then after they, you know, got tender, I inverted them, put them in the convection oven, and crisped them up. And we had some steamed carrots on it. And wow. when we turned it in, we were just, you know, we were happy. We looked at the dish, and we were we were happy with it. We felt like we had accomplished the recipe that we came to, you know, um, complete. We had no idea how we would, you know, stack up in the top ten because if you were there and you were looking around the room, they were all amazing. And I got to taste most of them. I didn't get to taste everybody's, but I did taste Fred's and it was delicious. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. I actually told my husband, I said, he's, he's, he's the one to beat that, that is just the most amazing barbecue. And he just was a, you know, real gentleman. And, but if you looked across the whole room, everybody's was great. You know, I didn't taste the dessert cause it was so good. My husband ate it. Um, but every single person brought their A game. So we were sitting up there and we were waiting and they said number 10 and then number 9. And there were two of us from Memphis. So Tommy Shad from Memphis did the burger. Yep. And we go to his restaurant. It really is truly the last burger on earth. It's fabulous. So I was looking across from him and then, you know, he came in fifth. And so he was looking at me because he pointed at me and said, you got to bring it from Memphis. I'm like, oh yeah, no pressure there. (laughs) But um, I just kept looking at him because he was kind of keeping me calm, just looking at him. And then they called the last three of us on the stage. And when they announced I was the winner, I mean, honestly, I was was so overwhelmed because all I could think to myself as I was standing there is that every every single one of us should be up on the stage. And, And that's just truly how I felt about it because we had become friends. We spent the weekend together. We talked on Facebook throughout the month preparing for it. So it was, it was much more than a cooking competition for me. Um, the relationship built, uh, will last a lifetime. The last three winners of the previous world food championships. And now granted this version of the WFC is different. I don't know if you know anything about how the last six champions have transpired, but it's all happened at Orange Beast, uh, at Orange Beach in November or wherever the World Food Championships was that year. But it was, took place over a week and then the winner was crowned and then everybody went home. This was the first time where you had months in between from where it ended in 2017 and now you're finishing it in 2018. Did you feel, I'm, gu- I'm guessing you felt the gap kind of helped you and, and be able to refine and try out a bunch of new recipes, but was there a bunch of other media opportunity and publicity and hype 
that you were involved in because that was one of the things that Mike McLeod told me he was hoping to do by stretching it out or bookending one year with getting 10 finalists and then opening up another year with a final table was to maximize time in between there to make sure that he was putting those 10 finalists up in proper media positions and trying to really push them out into the public to showcase. Did you feel like that was something that happened? No, I absolutely do think that that happened. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, we're, you know, you're in competitive cooking, I am, and, you know, I've watched my husband do it. But for those that aren't in the competitive cooking, you know, area, they never hear about it. They probably don't even know about it. They're not even sure how to get involved in it. So when they hear about these competitions, I don't think um, generally people understand the magnitude of preparation and what goes into it. So I think it not only gave us, more media awareness, but I think it brought competitive cooking in this format more into the public eye and and gave greater appreciation and understanding of it because people have been asking me tons of questions. Well, how do you get involved? And, you know, how did, how did you get to go there? Do you just go? And I don't know, you have to, you know, win locally or, you know, a qualifying event. So I think it accomplished a multitude of things. Number one, as you said, it accomplished giving us, you know, much greater visibility. It also gave us additional time to consider the recipe we wanted to do, and that could either hurt you or help you. Mm -hmm. And the last thing is, like I said, it brought competitive, you know, cooking as a sport and made it much more transparent for those that may not be familiar or even considered a sport. So I thought that that was an extra um, bonus that happened as well because of the amount of you know publicity that was surrounding it. Lisa, do you ever get steak when you go out to eat? No. <laughs> never? <laughs> well, I can't say I never do. That's probably not a fair statement, but I would say I rarely do. Do you prefer, um, do you prefer grain or grass-fed? That's kind of a mixed question, right? So I do like some <laughs> grass-fed, but I don't like all grass-fed. And I know it's probably a loaded question. Um, sometimes grass-fed is not is a little bit too lean. So uh, I do like a, grass, a grass-fed a grass ribeye. And I think if you get a good grass-fed ribeye, you can really produce a great steak. So, And I love, I prefer the grass-fed ground beef for like if I'm making pot, you know, uh, bolognese sauce or something like that. So... I think you have to pick and choose. There's so many different varieties of meat that you might select. So you have to select what's best for the purpose of what you're making. Yeah, I, I prefer a grain-finished uh, beef or steak. Uh, yeah. It can be started on grass, but I, I prefer the, the grain finish myself. Um, a lot of people like grass all the way through, but, you know, whatever. Are you a, a big fan of dry aging as well? I am a big fan of dry aging. My brother uh, lives in Tennessee also, even though we grew up in Michigan, and he um, has a farm. And he he will grain finishes at the very end, and he will dry age them. And I'm wary of getting some of what he produces. So yeah, I like the dry aging. How many SCA events do you have on the docket this year? I haven't had a lot on the docket this year. I'm trying to think; it might be only three or four. By this time last year, I had more. Um, I was supposed to compete right before we went to Bentonville, but I ended up under the weather that weekend and it was raining. And my husband said, you know, he said, I'm not really sure you should go out in the rain and cook in a competition because if you get sick and we have to leave in a few days for Bentonville, that may not be the wisest choice. Yeah. And he was right. So I, I gave my entry um, to somebody else. They had a friend of theirs in town and 
they transferred it over to him and he was able to cook under, you know, my entry. So I hated that I missed it. But we are going um, back to Greenwood, Mississippi this year, which is the place I won my first first place um, award that entitled me to go to World Food Championships. I'm really looking forward to that. that. They're they're very different formats, the SCA and the World Food Championships, very different. The State um, Cook-Off Association, you know, their goal is, you know, purely around the steak Mm -hmm. and producing the best possible steak you can. And at the World Food Championship, you have a lot more, you know, latitude um, with the ingredient that you've qualified in. So they're, they're different formats. She is the World Food Championships 2017 overall grand champion, and it comes through the state category. It's Lisa Guatney. Lisa, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much for doing it. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. You got it. There she is, your 2017 champ, ladies and gentlemen, Lisa Guatney. All guests appear via state the State two years in a row, by the way. Line. Anybody keeping count of that? <clears throat> That's right. State, state two years in a row. Kerry Luke last year. And Lisa Guatney this year. Congratulations. By the way, the lady. Yeah, baby. Do I have to qualify that anymore? I don't think so. The barbecue guru has always believed that outdoor cooking should be easy because it can be, especially with the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill. The Monolith, the world's first temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. This means smarter control, greater freedom with automatic temperature controls. Easily choose your cooking time and temperature. Let Monolith do the work of the sous chef for Barbecue Pitmaster. With minimal effort, you now have oven-like precision at the grill, and you can serve tastiest, juiciest meals each and every time. Go over to the BBQ, I'm sorry, BBQGuru.com. That's BBQGuru.com, or call 800-288-GURU. They will make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We're back to wrap the first hour. Stick around. Be right back. Big name interviews. Advice on cooking brisket and rib. Big name interviews. Advice on cooking. Big name interviews. What the hell? Advice- Fine. Forget it. You don't want to go out the right way? We won't go out the right way. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. That's right. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Whole thing sucks. Whatever. Hey, that was Lisa Guatney, your 2017. It feels so... Every fiber of my being is trying to yell 2018, but technically she's... She is not... Andrew, you are not... The- <laughs> she is not... The 2018 World Food Champion. That's going to be in 2019. She's the 2017 overall champ. Again, coming out of the state category, Lisa Guatney. By the way, if you didn't hear that in the very beginning, her husband is the, I believe she told me an email, 2005 Memphis in May World Champion. Whole hawk. How about that? Look for her... Going back down to the, did she say Q, Q on the Yazoo? Got her the golden ticket. She'll be back to try and repeat there. I don't know if that's also a, another golden ticket location, but we can check that out through WFC. But that's what the winner looks like right there. $100,000 cash prize and cash and prize purse. I wanted to ask her what the breakdown was. I know all you people are wondering, what's the breakdown of the 100 k I didn't ask that. Didn't have time. 
Maybe I can get it on the DL. All right, we're back to start the second hour here. Stick around. Be right back.